Amen. I want you guys all close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to open up in prayer. Hallelujah. I feel Jesus. God, you're so good. And we thank you for your presence that is evident in this place tonight. And I ask that you would give us all ears to hear what you would have to say to us. I pray that every person in this place would be tuned to you. Lord, I ask that my preaching would not be with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Convict hearts. Challenge hearts, Father God. And I declare that your word will be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. All right. It is so awesome. Awesome to be up here today. So you guys can get over the shock. Look at your neighbor. Say, yes, Nancy is preaching tonight. Yes. Yes, that is me. God is so good. (laughs) I want to let you guys know that the message that I'm going to be preaching, I'm going to be focusing it on the unbelievers, those of you guys that come in week after week after week, your life doesn't change, still the same, still living in sin. And it's going to be geared to you that are on fire for God, that are believers that are really wanting to live a Christian life. So both of those groups here tonight are going to get something out of it. If you're not living for God... your sin will convict you. You will feel conviction here tonight. And if you are living for Jesus, you will be challenged to come forth out more boldly for your faith. Somebody say she's going to step on some toes tonight. Now, you may think that the title of my message is a little funny. It says, does the world hate you? Have you ever heard of that before? Like, why would the world hate me? I didn't do anything to the world. The reason why I ask you this question is because the world hated Jesus to the point where they crucified him. So many times as Christians, we feel like we have to be in the in crowd. We have to be, you know, right where all the commotion is. And when we're at school and we're with our friends or you're at work, you always have to be a part of what the cool people are doing. You have to be in the in crowd. People have to like you. And I'm here to tell you that they don't have to like you. Now, but as a Christian, it's good to have a good rapport with people. It's nice for people to know you as a Christian, that you're a patient person, you're loving, you're kind, you're all those things. But when it comes to defending the gospel, when it comes to putting God's commands first, when it comes to standing up for holiness in the midst of all those in-crowd people, being liked is not a priority. And Jesus tells us that very plainly. And we're going to learn so much from this passage of Scripture, and we're going to go through a lot of different um, verses in the Bible, but I want all of you guys to look at me tonight. You will not walk out of here not knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you choose to reject that, the only place is hell. And I want to make it very, very plain. It's heaven and it's hell. Both of those places are real. And if you've been playing games with God, coming here week after week and thinking that you look cute, you're not going to walk out of here knowing that tonight because it's going to be a very serious message. The gospel will offend you. The gospel offends people. When you as Christians are going to go into your world, and world in the Bible refers to, two, to a couple things. World, when we say the world does this and the world acts like that, we're talking about the people that are not saved. The world is also things, the things that consist of what those people do, you know, different acts of sin and things like that. And when you as a Christian are going into the world, whether it's your high school, your unsaved family members, whoever it is, 
and you stick up for God and you're sticking up for what you know is right, it will offend people because people don't want to be shown their faults. And before a holy God, they won't be able to hide. And so I want to let you guys know here that a lot of you have been offended by us. See, when our leaders have to tell you about the music that you listen to, when they have to talk to you about what kind of girlfriend or boyfriend is the right one and how you're supposed to dress, see, a lot of you feel offended that we would say to you that the music you listen to is of the devil. And you get offended when we tell you you can't do this and you can't do that because it's not of God. No PDA. And when we catch you PDAing, you get offended. Oh, that's not me, you know. So I want you as Christians here to understand when you are preaching the gospel and you're at school, it's okay not to be in the in crowd because the gospel will offend people. Let's turn to, uh, to John chapter 7. That is my passage of scripture here. John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. If you could flip the switch. I'm going to read it very slowly. Different sections. I'm going to stop and I'm going to preach on that. And I'm going to continue. The first scripture I'm going to read is John chapter 7, just verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. Now, why in the world would they want to take his life? Why do you think at this point Jesus was staying in a different town because the Jews in another place were trying to take his life? What do you think there was about Jesus that made people so angry at him? It's because he confronted them of their sin. It would be just like us who have gone to Bowman and Clark this past winter season And now we find out that all those people we preach to are looking for us to kill us. Because you're talking about Jesus went from town to town to town, preaching the gospel, doing miracles, telling people the kingdom of God is near, repent, change your ways. And he went from all these towns, and now all these people have gotten this anger towards him, and they're wanting to take his life. So it would just, for you guys to visualize what that would be like, it would be just like us having gone to preach on the streets. And now all those people that we offended with the gospel, all those people that we said Jesus is the only way, your good works won't save you, all those people are now looking for us to take our life. That is the pressure Jesus lived in. Let's continue. But while, but when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. So here his own brothers began to mock him. Oh, if you're the savior of the world, go make yourself known. Why are you hiding out? If you're this Messiah, this so-called prophet, go show off out there. You have to understand, Jesus was not about doing the business to please man. His one and only goal was to glorify God. So just because everybody started mocking him and telling him what to do, Jesus didn't budge. He didn't budge. He didn't just do things because other people told him. In the midst of all that, his own flesh and blood began to mock him. And some of you think that it's weird that when you go to your house and you as a Christian, you're trying to live this life that, you know, you're learning as a disciple and everything's coming against you at your home. It's okay. It's okay when people are going to mock you and people are going to make fun of you. Oh, oh, she's a holy girl. She doesn't say the F word and and all this stuff. And people begin to, to make fun of you. 
They did it to Jesus. His own brothers did that to him. Let's continue. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. But for you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. That is the key right there. The reason why the world, see Jesus saying the world here, he's actually talking about the Jews at that time because those, those are the people that he was ministering to. So he's talking about how the world cannot hate his brothers. That's who he's talking to. He's saying to his brothers, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what they do is evil. Okay? That is why at this point, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, guys. I'm not just going to go and show myself off because I know what I'm come here to do, and my time is not yet here. And so all these people are looking for Jesus to take his life because he has told the religious people, the sinners, every single person, you're not right before God. Get it right. Repent. Change. And so here we are. Jesus is saying the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. You go to the feast. I am not yet going up to this feast. You find my place? I'm just going to continue here. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, Where is that man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he is a good man, and others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. I want you to quickly turn to John chapter 15. Hold your spot at John 7. I want to highlight something that Jesus is going to mention to his disciples so that I want to let you know that the question I'm asking you today is, does the world hate you? Is that shouldn't be a big shock because Jesus told us that the world would hate us as Christians, as his disciples. And I want to briefly summarize what has happened Up until this point, Jesus having to secretly go to a feast because they're looking to take his life. Already up to this point, he turned water into wine. How many of you guys remember the wedding in Canaan? Jesus preached on, um, Joel preached on that. Healed, he healed the sick. He healed sicknesses and diseases. He cleared the temple courts. People were selling and and buying in the temple, which was the church. And Jesus ran up in there with a, with a cord of whip, and he drew them all out, and he said, you den of robbers, this place is supposed to be a place of prayer. He fed 5,000 people up to this point. He walked on water, and he told them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no place in heaven. So all that happening up to this point, and here he is walking about, and he knows that the Jews are already planning to take his life. In John chapter 15, Jesus talks about this time right here of what he said about the world hating him. And he said to his disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. So there you go. If you're living an awesome, radical, on-fire life for God, at this point, and you are a Christian, and you're witnessing to your friends, and you're, you're witnessing to your family that isn't saved, I want you to know that Jesus already warned us, the world will hate you because it hated me first. 
Now, I'm not talking about walking around with a chip on our shoulder, making people hate us, like, you know, like telling them you're going to hell and all this stuff. I'm not talking about being mean to people. See, our part is we love people. God, Jesus isn't contradicting himself. The two greatest commandments is to love God and to love people. So we love the sinners. We love the backsliders. We love those that don't serve God. But guess what? We preach to them the truth. We don't back down just because we love them so much. We don't want to hurt their feelings, and we don't want to offend anybody or step on anybody's toes and really confront them with their sin. No, we preach the truth. We don't back down on what this is about as Christians. We confront it, but we love them. But if they don't love us back, it's okay because they didn't love Jesus either. And so right there he plainly and clearly tells it. Now for the rest of you, who are in this place, you may be of the world as we speak right now. You may not be the Christian person coming to church, raising your hands, and, and following after God. There's a lot of worldly people in here. You're not living right before God, and you know it. In John chapter 15, go down a couple of verses. Um, go to verse 21. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Those who hate me hate my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and that they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what was written in the law. They hated me without reason. So I want you guys to know that none of you are without excuse right here. We're preaching the gospel to you. We've told you the way for salvation. If you choose to continually reject it, if you choose to continually live in your sin, you are, are, are not innocent of your own guilt. You are not going to have a free ticket to heaven, and you will be guilty of your own sin because you rejected the only way of salvation. The only way of salvation. And you know, if you're in here tonight and you've been playing games with God, you are without excuse. Without, absolutely without excuse. In 1 John 3.13, it says it again. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. You guys got that? Christians in this place, you understand where I'm coming from. That is what we come up against. And for those of you guys who are not living right for God, I pray that by the end of this service, you change your mind. Because he is coming back, and we have to be ready for him. The next scripture I have is, is found in 1 John 2, chapter 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. And that's the things we're going to talk about today. What is in the world that we need to avoid? What are the things in the world that we need to make sure we're talking about like Jesus talked about? So do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You guys have to understand that you cannot serve two gods. The Bible describes the devil as a god of this age, lowercase g, and Jesus is the God of the universe, capital G. And so if you're living for God, then you're living for God. If you're not living for him 100%, you're only living for the devil. And some of you guys went, whoo, that one just went right over your head. I want you to understand what I am saying. If you are not living for God, you are living for the devil, period. You cannot live for the world and do the things of the world and also have the love of the Father inside of you. You could come to church, you can play games, you can, you can talk to your friends and do all that stuff, and you could even jot, you know, fill in the little bubble when you take essays and, oh, I'm a Christian. That's not going to make it. If you do not serve God and God alone, there's just, you just live for the world. That's it. You can't have both. 
Period. There's no in between. When you guys are listening to this secular music and, and, and this bumping music and, and, you know, touch me here and touch me there and all this nasty stuff, who do you think that's bringing glory to? The devil. Okay? So if you have the love of the world inside of you, like listening to those types of music, you're not loving God. If you come here and stand like this during worship and your hands in your pocket, guess what? You don't love God. You have the love of the world inside of you, and you can't have both, period. It's one or the other. When you go to a school and you're talking to your friends and, and all this gossip and you're talking about who went so far and with this guy and that guy, guess what? Those things of the world, those nasty things that people talk about, that's not what God wants to be. That's not the kind of conversation God wants to be a part in. You guys get my point? Love the world or love God. It's one or the other. You can't do both. You can't come to church and raise your hands and then leave here and act like and do what the world does. Let's keep going. Verse 6. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God will last forever. When you live for Jesus, you will last forever, eternally speaking. But guess what? All this junk of the world, getting high, partying, having sex, everything that just feeds our flesh, it's going to pass away. It's not going to last forever. You don't take things with you, and you're going to learn, because I'm going to highlight every single one of those points. Point number one, <clears throat> cravings of sinful man. Those are the, that's one of the things that in this passage of scripture it's letting us know these are the things that are in the world that we are not to be a part of these are the things that we shouldn't love because if we love these things if we do these things the love of the father is not inside of us so to have a craving inside of your flesh is to have sensual and impure desires to just gratify yourself it's all about me 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 what feels good to me in galatians chapter 5 verse 19 through 21 it's specifically detail you know specific details those things what are those desires what are those things that we in our cravings of the, of the sinful nature inside of us what are those things that that are just so obvious the bible says sexual immorality now more than ever before you're being pressured on a daily basis to either have sex to dress promiscuous to do all these sexual things. It's on the TV. It's, it's in the media. It's your friends ex, ex, experimenting and, and telling you, you know, it's, you, you just got to do it. You just got to do it. You don't have to wait till you're married. You know, just go ahead and have sex. Sexual immorality is sinning against your own body. God created you to be holy and pure until marriage. And if you are out there being promiscuous and, and touching each other and doing all this stuff, you're gratifying yourself. And that is something that is not pleasing to God. I guarantee you, you ask somebody that has lost their virginity, any young lady or any young man right now that is saved, that is living for Jesus, is probably the biggest regret they have. Because the world will make it seem to you such like a beautiful thing. I remember 90210 Beverly Hills, kind of like showing what generation I was a part of. Beverly Hills 90210 was a show, and it was just this fancified, you know, high school, you know, all the drama that they went through. And I remember Donna was losing her virginity that senior year and they made it look so like with candles and and lingerie and all this stuff like on tv 
They're like glorifying this one time thing and making it look so amazing. Guess what? It leaves you empty and dead on the inside. Sexual immorality, losing your virginity, being promiscuous, having sex steals from you. Because the Bible says when two join together, they become one flesh. And you guys may think, like, why is it so hard for me to get over somebody? Well, if you've given yourself to them sexually, you have been joined in your spirit. That is why Jesus says, wait till you're married. You cannot have this sin in your life. Impurity. Impurity in the way that we dress. Impurity in the way that you guys talk. You know, don't be a part of conversations at your lunchroom table talking about who did what last night. You understand? As Christians, this is the time where you're going to put your foot down and they may not like you. But it's okay because guess what? Jesus is inside of me and I don't want him to hear that stuff because that's nasty. That's impurity, having impure thoughts, impure motives, being nasty and disgusting. Idolatry. Idolatry is putting anything before God, whether it's your family, whether it's school, whether it's TV, whatever it is, just homework, homework, homework. And it could be good things, like noble things. Idolatry is putting anything before God anything that takes his place in your life. And for a lot of you here tonight, sin is your major one, idol. Because all you want to do is your own thing, do it your own way. You don't want to uh, follow God's commands. It's all about me, 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 me. Witchcraft, hatred. See, I like, I like that it, that's highlighted there because it's, you know, nobody really knows sometimes what's, what's in our heart. And it's funny, at this point, so many people wanted to kill Jesus, and we wonder why, when you read the Beatitudes in Matthew, the kind of messages that he would preach to the people, um, that would probably probably get the religious people pretty upset. And Jesus loved, 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 loved to deal with the religious people, because he would just expose them. The religious people were the Pharisees and the Sadducees of that time, when Jesus was walking around and, and doing his thing, during the three years of his ministry. And all the Pharisees and Sadducees were like the religious Jewish leaders that had a lot of clout at that time, would walk around with fancy flowing robes. And they acted like they were so holy because they followed God's command that was given to them from Moses. Jesus comes on the scene and tells them, you're sons of the devil. You got all this sin hidden in your heart. You think you're right before God. You're not even accepting me. And that's when he had to tell them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in heaven. And so this hatred part comes up because in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, everybody knew, thou shall not murder because murder is a sin. And what does Jesus do? He tells them, if you have hatred in your heart towards anybody, you've committed murder. So check your heart. You can't just say randomly, oh, I hate so-and-so and and I I hate so-and-so. The love of the Father cannot be in you if you have that. If people have hurt you, and I'm talking about serious, serious stuff that has been inflicted on you, like rape, like abuse, sexual, physical, whatever has happened in your life, when you can obviously and literally say, I hate that person for what they did to me. I want you to know that there's healing in Jesus. And he could take that away and heal your heart because you living in hatred towards somebody else, you think keeps them a prisoner, but it's actually keeping you a prisoner. Self um, hatred, discord, jealousy. Jealousy is the same thing. It keeps you a prisoner. Fits of rage, having rage, just being angry all the time. You know, uh, jumping people. I, I hear so many of you guys just get in fights. You think that's the kind of life that God wants you to live? Just being full of rage and, and going home and slamming doors? That's not the kind of life God wants you to have. Selfish ambition, 
dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Everybody say, will not go to heaven. In John chapter uh, 3, verse 19, it talks about how the light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. And that's the same thing with everybody here. Jesus has come as the light into this world. The light is here in this place, in Elevate. When you guys come and gather, the light is here. But guess what? Some of you guys love the darkness so much. You love your sinful ways. You like to hide behind your little attitude and, and just, just not, not deal with people. And you don't want God to deal with, with your own issues or even heal your heart. And you think that you look really, really cute just coming and prouncing around, not living for Jesus week after week. But it's because of your evil deeds that you don't want to come in the light. Because guess what light does? It exposes things. When you are in a dark room and the light turns on, you can see. And so people do not want to come into the light because their deeds are evil and they will be exposed. And so are, for the Christians in this place, are you coming against this stuff that your friends are doing? I'm not saying we have to go to them every single day and talk about how they're going to hell and they're never going to make it. But when conversations come up and you're put in a position to preach against this, do you do it or do you silently little, give a little giggle and, and just shove it off? Just, oh, you know, I don't really have to talk about Jesus right now. Because so many times, you know, it's just it's a, the simple, easy things that happen throughout our day, different conversations that we could kind of jump in and preach the gospel, and we don't even take advantage of those things. Sometimes I feel like maybe you guys put so much pressure on yourself, like, I've got to go to school today and I've got to witness. Just be natural. Preach against these things when they come up. You don't go up to somebody, you're having sex, you're going to hell. You understand what I'm saying? Come against these things when it is time. And as a Christian, don't feel like, you know, being in the in-crowd or being liked is going to be your priority. Your priority is defending the gospel because you want to have the love of the Father inside of you. Let's go to the next point. Number two. I'm sorry, I did it at the same time. Number two, lust of the eyes. Everybody say lust. Lust is having covetousness and uncleanness. Obviously, you hear the, um, the most common thing about lust is lusting after people, you know, thinking sexual things in your mind and, and just, you know, just, just impure stuff, just the lust of the eyes. But it could also be lust for things like never being satisfied and, and not understanding that, that God wants you to be satisfied only in him. So the lust of the eyes could just be uncleanness sexually and it's uncleanness by you coveting what somebody else has. The first thing is pornography. That's just the most obvious thing. Lust of the eyes is when you allow your eyes to meditate on something that is unclean, something that is not uh, uh, what God wants you to to look at, something that's impure. You know, some of you have so much uh, MySpace garbage that comes up in your page every time you, you know, see this commercial thing. And just in MySpace alone, there are so many girls that come up like half-dressed, bra and underwear and all that stuff. You have to guard your eyes. So the lust of the eyes is going to put you in a position where if you don't control that, it's going to suck you deeper, deeper into sin. Watching dirty movies. I'm sure you guys don't have a, 
a standard on the type of movies you watch, dirty movies, people being half-dressed, making out, all this stuff. That's not the, the stuff that we should allow to come into our eyes. Magazines, same thing. The Bible says that our eye, our eyes is the light of our body. It is the lamp of our body. If our eyes are clean, then our whole body will be clean. And so you have to be very careful what you allow your eyes to see because the world loves that. Whatever the eye could get, whatever the eyes could be uh, pleased from, that's what they lust after, lusting for the opposite uh, or same sex. Same thing. When you're looking at somebody, fellas, like a young lady, and she's walking down the street and she's dressed a certain way and it catches your attention and immediately you begin to lust after her. That's wrong. Same thing with girls. You have to watch your eyes. Because when we allow this to take place in our life, it's saying that we want this and we want that. And like I said before, it doesn't have to be those sinful things like sexual stuff. It's just be clothes and jewelry and shoes, just lusting and wanting more, wanting more. And what that does is it does not glorify God as number one in your life. It's not saying to God that you are more than enough. You are bigger than this temptation. You are bigger than this lust. I don't need to meditate on this impure thought right now. I don't need to lust after what other people have and what other people could give me because I rely on you. When we as Christians come against this, the world is going to be upset. In Psalm 119.37, it says, Turn my eyes away from worthless things. That should be our prayer. Don't let my eyes meditate on things that are worthless because all these things that you see are going to pass away. They're not going to last. The only thing that's going to last is when we uh, allow ourselves to get saturated in the Word of God because it says, Preserve my life according to your Word. That's what's going to preserve you. Through the hard times, through the good times, through the bad times, when you allow yourself to get alone with Jesus and you thirst and hunger after this word, and you don't allow your eyes to fall on worthless things, then Jesus comes, and he begins to be number one. And let me tell you, if you guys are in this place, and you do struggle with pornography, and you say, hey, I am a Christian. I do want to live for God, but that's just something that, that I'm struggling with. It's a temptation that I, I just feel like I, I have to be freed from, and I feel like I'm in bondage to it. Please confess it. Confess it to Adolfo if you're being discipled by him. Just, girls, same thing. Confess it to one of the leaders because the enemy will try to slickly come into your life and have you be in bondage to any one of these things. And it's something that you can be free from. Everybody said, I can be free. You can be free. And Jesus saying, so if you are struggling with this part of your life as a Christian, you have to get through it. Because God has not called you to live a defeated life. And we as Christians stand up and we say those things are wrong. We come against that. And a lot of people, you know, um, men in this world, more than you think and more than you know, struggle with pornography in the church and out of the church. And we have to continually cast it down, cast it down. The world will probably laugh at you, uh, but it's okay. You know, if some of our men here say, hey, God's delivered me from pornography. Some, You know, they're saying that to some man on the job or, or whatever, they'd be like, ha, 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 what are you talking about? So you have to understand it's so foreign to the world that we stand up and not do these things. The next thing I want to talk to you about that the Lord lists, or the, the Bible lists as being things of this world, is the boasting of what we have and what we do. And we're not supposed to boast about anything but the Lord. And what boasting does is it just shows the pride you have in your life. Because everything becomes about you. The, the, the middle letter in pride is I. 
So I, 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 me, 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 everything is about me, and boasting of the things that you have. Now, let's just put it on, on your kind of terms. You know, a lot of you guys don't have jobs where you can buy big mansions, and so a lot of people boast, boast about those type of things. But what is your age, your generation generally boast about? You guys can boast about having the best name brand clothes and iPods and technology and all this stuff. You can boast about what gang you're in and, and think you're so cool and everything's about you and everything's self-centered and selfishness and, and everything's coming from like uh, the world's all about me and, and everything revolves around me and you could just keep boasting about what you can do and you just talk about yourself all the time. And that is not bringing glory to God. None of that stuff that we boast about in this world we're going to be able to take with us. We're not going to be able to take any of that stuff with us. So boasting of what we have and do is just the pride of life, having pride, this aura about us that we're better than everybody else, and nobody else can do anything as good as we can. Now let me tell you, it's okay to have things. Having material possessions is not wrong. Having a big screen TV and having a, a Cadillac or a Corvette or whatever kind of cars you guys like. See, people that have money, it, it's okay if they put God first. A lot of the people in this world, like the rappers you guys listen to, many of the actors and actresses, people in Hollywood, they boast about all this stuff. And I see this show now that we have, like, real cable. It's called Ron's House. You guys know Ron's House? It has this huge mansion and, like, 50 cars in his front lawn. And it's just like, I want more. I want more. I want another car. I want another car. It's never enough. And so when we boast about those things, like I said, it's okay to own those things and to have good things because God wants us to be well taken care of. But when our boast is in our material possessions, it takes away the glory from God. And we have to focus our attention because what happens is when we focus on stuff rather than God, it becomes idolatry. And like you learned in that passage of Scripture in Galatians, idolatry is, does not produce the kind of life that God wants you to live in. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. When we boast about our talents and our gifts and the things that we can do because it's our ability, it's we got ourselves there. And it doesn't bring glory to God. That's sin. Just like when you act like you're better than everybody else. It's just having that prideful, prideful spirit in the inside of you. In Matthew chapter 6, it says to not seek after those things, because many of us worry about what we're going to have and what we're going to do and, and all this stuff. But the Bible says don't seek after material possessions. Don't seek after those things. Seek after the kingdom of God. Seek after righteousness. So at this point, you could understand that when Jesus is talking about not loving the world, not allowing the things of the world to take a place in your heart, because when you come against them, then you will truly glorify God. And when you come against this in the world, like Jesus himself came against it, because the world hated him, he testified that their deeds were evil. We as Christians now have to stand up and say, hey, that's wrong. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand up for holiness. I'm going to stand up for righteousness. I'm not going to boast in myself. I'm not going to... Um, gratify my flesh and do whatever I want to do, but it's going to be all about God. I want you guys to turn to a parable in uh, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21. It's a parable of the rich fool. And this puts, puts everything so much in perspective about how we're supposed to live and how important it is that God comes first and we don't make plans outside of his will. We don't boast about all the things that we have or we can get. I'll give you guys a couple seconds to turn there. The parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? 
Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. Everybody say abundance of possession. Jesus is saying here right now don't, to this man, don't worry about that inheritance. Your life is not going to consist of everything that you own. And like I said before, you know, Joe and I want to own some awesome things one day. Like Joe's favorite car, I think, is like an, a Cadillac Escalade. Like he wants that one day. And we want a nice house or, and, and, you know, lots and lots of rooms. But guess what? You can have dreams and you can want material possessions one day, but you don't chase after those. What you work for are for souls. What you do is the work of God until he comes back. We don't chase after those material possessions because the world will get so consumed in working for a house and working for a car and, and working for this and working for that. And then just a pride of life pushes God uh, last on the list of what people are going to do. And then slowly and slowly, all, their, all, all the work, all the hard work uh, of years and years of their whole life was wasted. Why? For something that's not going to last. Let's read this, verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for God, but is not rich, who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. How many of you guys want to be rich toward God in this place? We have to put him first. And if you're here tonight, you're saying, you know what? God is not number one in my, in my life. And and I could care less, and I don't want him to. Guess what? I'm not going to live, uh, force you to live for him because he's worthy to be lived for. He's worthy to be praised. But if you are here and you're saying, you know what? God is worth it. Keep going after him. It doesn't matter if the world's going to come against you. It doesn't matter if the world hates you. We have to make sure that we're preaching the gospel. Jesus at this time was hiding, in a sense, not really publicly going out into this certain town, because he knew people were trying to take our life. What is the world coming against you for? Do they know that you stick up for what you believe in? Do they know that you're going to come against the sin that they talk about? Does the world hate you? Because it hated Jesus. And if you're in this place tonight, and you're not a Christian, and you are of the world, and you, you are living in sin, I want to let you know there's forgiveness at the cross. Jesus died so that you can make it to heaven. It is real. It is real tonight. I want you guys to listen to me. Sin will take you farther than you expected and will make you do things you never thought you would because the devil is behind it all. And if you think you guys come in week after week and you come in and you just kind of hang out and not participate in what's going on here, you don't want to be discipled, you don't want to worship, you don't want to clap your hands, you don't want to live for God, guess what? When your time is up, you won't have an excuse on judgment day. If you don't wake up tomorrow and your life has ended, you're not going to have an excuse. Today is a day where you know you learned about Jesus. You, I've highlighted the things that are in your life that some of you guys are dealing with. You know you've got to get it out. 
And it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not like I have to do A, B, C, and D to be a Christian, and I can't do A, B, and C, and D. Like, I can't do this, I can't do that. It's not about that. It's about abandoning yourself, forgetting about what you want, and start thinking about what God wants. Everybody, all eyes on me. It doesn't matter who's walking in right now. Because Jesus means business with you. And if you guys think you're going to come in week after week, and we're not going to notice the attitudes, and we're not going to notice you guys are playing games, You got it all wrong because we don't think it's cute anymore. And I'm preaching this from my heart because the time is short. Everybody say the time is short and Jesus is coming back. You guys have to understand you're not promised tomorrow. You don't know if you leave here that you don't get hit by a car. And eternity is real. Your soul will live forever. And I want you guys to really think about where you're living right now. What is your what does your life consist of? Does your life consist of the things of this world? Because if they do, the Bible clearly said that you cannot have the love of the Father. You cannot serve two gods. You're either living for God or you're living for the devil. And I pray that the fear of the Lord comes inside of you right now because you will not make it in this life continually living for yourself. So many people think they're just invincible and nothing bad is going to happen to them and i'll just live for god some other time or you know maybe next time during the altar call i'll I'll go up and have somebody just pray for me so i could get them off my back guess what you're not promised that opportunity today so i'm really right now focusing on the ones that are not living for god listen to me live for jesus let go of the music let go of the boyfriends and the girlfriends and all those things that hold you back because it's not worth going to hell over if you think listening to that nasty music is worth going to hell over i feel sorry for you because you do not understand the severity of what hell is it is ever burning you're continually on fire it's never ending you never leave there's not another chance it's not next sunday or next friday when i go to elevate it's today today you make a choice whether you're going to be of the world Or you're going to be not of the world. You're either going to live for God or you're going to continue to live for yourself, which is eventually going to lead you to hell where the devil is. I'm very, very serious about that. And so if any of those categories relate to you, living in the world, having the the cravings in in your flesh and the the lust of your eyes and the boasting and and just being prideful and, and nobody can touch you, you're just invincible, I want you to humble yourself before God tonight. Because when Christians come to you and they say you can't live that way, you think they're judging you. When we as leaders here tell you, hey, don't talk like that or, or don't act this way because it's not right, and you get offended, you think we're, we're stepping on your toes, and it's like, oh, I'm not going back to that place because I don't like how so-and-so talked to me. Get over yourself. It's time to mean business with God. It is so time to mean business with God. I want you guys to listen to this. It's called A Letter from Hell. It's on our Elevate MySpace. I want us to to dim the lights, get them ready for the altar call, because after this we're going to go straight into that. And I want you guys to seriously take your time and soak everything up about this. And I want you guys to place yourself there. 